We're thankful for, for our fathers, and I hope you're thankful for your dad. Uh, I know I'm thankful for mine. Uh, on your way out this morning, if you are a father and you're celebrating Father's Day, uh, we've got some gifts in the back. It's not anything huge, uh, but we want you to take one of those and enjoy that on your way out this morning. And uh, just happy Father's Day to all your dad. How many of you, how many of you thankful for your father? Let me see your hands. Good. That's awesome. I'm, I know I'm thankful for mine. I had a really good dad. Uh, he was, he was awesome. And, uh, he worked a lot when I was younger trying to provide for our family. But one of the things I'm thankful for him about is that he always made time for us. He always made time to, to make sure that we were able to do fun things. And, and he took us out and he did a lot of things with us. I remember one time, uh, he decided that he was going to take me fishing, which if you know me, you know, I do not fish. And this story is probably going to clear that up for you. Uh, uh, so my dad decided he's going to take us or take me, just me, not my siblings, just me fishing. And so we, we went out and he took me to the store and he bought me. He, he's like, I'm going to buy you your first fishing pole. And I was like, sweet, awesome. I'm like seven years old at the time. I, I barely know what a fish is. And so he we walk into Walmart and he's like, all right, which fishing pole do you want? And I saw it. It was a Scooby-Doo fishing pole. And if... <laughs> And if you're new to fishing, that's not the one you want to get. But as a seven-year-old, uh, that's the one that I wanted. And so I went straight for the Scooby-Doo fishing pole, got it. I was super excited about it. And so he's like, okay, we're going to get on the boat. We're going to go fishing. So we go to the Chesapeake Bay. I grew up right around Baltimore. And uh, he takes us out. And, and a couple hours into our fishing trip, I'm at the front of the boat. My dad is in the back of the boat. And I'm looking down with my, with my, with my uh, line in the water. And I see this outline of this huge fish. And when I saw it, I was, for some reason, in my seven-year-old mind, the only thing that it went to was, that's a shark. Like, I know that's a shark. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of shark movies. I know what a shark looks like. That's a shark. And so I started freaking out. I'm like, Dad, there's a shark in the water. There's a shark. And my dad, like, knew, like, there's no way that's a shark. So I'm freaking out, yelling, Dad, there's a shark in the water. There's a shark. Let's just come here. And then it bit my line. Okay. And that's when I really started freaking out. And my dad's like, okay, just hold on. Bring your pole to me. I'm going to help you. Just bring it to me. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, Dad, you're nuts. You're crazy. I'm not, there's a shark in the line. I'm not bringing it to you. We're all going to die. I've seen Jaws. I know how this ends. I'm not taking it. And so I did what a seven-year-old would do if he had a shark on his line. And don't judge me. I threw my Scooby-Doo fishing pole in the water. <laughs> I know you would have done the same thing, so don't judge me. Tossed it in there. So somewhere in the bottom of the Chesapeake Bay, there's a Scooby-Doo fishing pole. If you want to go find it, I'll autograph it for you if you bring it back. But I tell you that story to say it's got to be frustrating as a father for, for your child to have a need to, to have a request, to have a desire, to be in trouble. And the son or the child not bring that need to the father. It's got to be frustrating for a father. Like if I'm a dad, which I'm not, they pick the one pastor that doesn't have children to preach on Father's Day. Uh, but if I'm a dad, right, and, and, and I have a child that is in need of something, and rather than bringing that need to me, which I would be glad to meet, I would be, I would be excited to meet his need, to, to grant his request, and that child not bring that desire to me and instead go out and do his own thing and make matters worse, that would be really frustrating as a father, wouldn't it? And yet, that's exactly the picture of how we are with our Heavenly Father. Where we have these needs, we have these fears, we have these desires, and we don't bring them to our Heavenly Father, who is ready and willing to grant our requests. And there's a couple reasons why we don't 
bring them to them. There, there, at least there could be. For some of us, it could be just that we forget, right? That happens. It's happened to me before. We just forget that prayer is necessary, that prayer is something that we can do. And so when we're in trouble, when we're struggling with fear, when we're having a difficult time, we, we just forget to bring our desires to God. That, that could be one of the reasons. It could be that you just don't think God has the power to grant your requests. It could be that, that you don't trust that, that the creator of the heavens and the earth has the, the ability to do what you want him to do. That could be the reason we don't take our prayers, our requests to God. But I think there's another reason. I think that could be the majority of us in this room. And that's that we just don't think he will. We just don't trust the generosity of our Father. We don't trust that He'd be willing to give us what we want because I've seen children, and what I've noticed about children is that they, they, they will take a request to their father based on what they know that parent will do. And so if they know their dad is stingy, they're not going to bring the request to go to Chuck E. Cheese to their dad because they know he's going to say no. And we assume that that's our Heavenly Father. We're like, yeah, he's not going to answer me. He, he, if he does answer me, he's going to say no. He's not going to give me my desire. He's not going to help me here. He's not going to heal that family member. He, he's not going to do what I want him to do. So, so why should I even ask him? We, we just assume that our father isn't generous. But there's a really interesting account in Luke chapter 11. If you brought a Bible, that's where we're going to be this morning. So go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 11. At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus leaves his disciples to go into a quiet place to pray. And as he's praying, his disciples show up, which always, have you noticed, somebody always shows up when you try to pray. Somebody's always there to ask a question, bother you. But his disciples show up. And as his disciples show up, they see that Jesus is praying. And that had to have been just a really awesome sight, wouldn't it? That you have God the Son praying to God the Father. And they requested probably what the majority of us in this room would request. Jesus, teach us to pray. You're the Son of God. You're one with the Father. Could you teach us how to communicate with our Father? And so that's where Jesus gives what's become to be known as the Lord's Prayer. And he didn't give that prayer as something like ritualistic that we're to pray over and over again. He gave it to us as an outline so we know how to communicate to our Father. So he gives them the Lord's Prayer, but then Jesus continues to talk about prayer. But what he does is he begins to tell the disciples about God's character when you pray, your, your Father's character when you pray. And he tells them a story, a parable. It's an earthly story with an with a, with a eternal meaning. And, and what he says is, is there's this man who his friend shows up at midnight one night, just out of the blue, unannounced, just shows up. Now, if that happened today, I would be behind my couch with a shotgun if somebody showed up at my door at midnight. So don't do that. But this is a very different culture. Because in this culture, what they would do is they would travel during the nighttime. Because they lived in the desert, it was hot during the day, so they would travel at night. And so it was very common for somebody to show up around midnight. So this friend shows up unannounced. The, the, the friend had no idea this person was coming. And he runs into a problem because he doesn't have enough bread to feed his friend who showed up, which is another problem. It, in that society, it was considered shameful for you if you couldn't feed a guest if they came over to your house. So what does the friend do? He, he does what he only can, like the only thing he can do, he goes to his neighbor's house. 
And he, and he begins to knock on the door and say, hey, I've got a friend. He showed up unannounced. I don't have enough bread to feed him. Could you lend me four loaves so that I can go back home and feed my friend? And the neighbor says what most of us would probably say, dude, go away. Like, it's midnight. My friends are in bed. I'm playing PlayStation. Like, please get out of, like, go away. And, and, and like, if this happened to us, we'd probably call the cops. That wasn't really an option back then. So he keep, but, but the friend doesn't leave. He, he keeps knocking. He keeps asking. He keeps seeking. He's like, hey, I need, I need this bread. Please, uh, it's going to be shameful for me. I need you to give me this bread so that I can feed my guests. Please give me the bread. And this is what Jesus said in verse, 20, or verse number 8. It says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because, his, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity or his persistency, he will rise and give him as many as hath need, as many as he needed. Jesus is pointing something out about humanity here, and that is that humanity naturally is very resistant to generosity. We, we, when somebody asks you to give them something, when somebody asks you to donate something, our first response is, "Well, how is that going to affect me?" How is that going to affect my family? How is that going to affect my needs? How is that going to affect my rent payment? How, how is that going to affect my mortgage? And when somebody asks us, hey, can I borrow this or could you give me this? Our, our immediate response is not toward generosity. That's what Jesus is pointing out. That's just humanity. The problem is, is we take that and we bring it into our relationship with God and we assume that our Heavenly Father is the same way. And it's in the context of that parable that Jesus says these famous words, starting in verse number 9. And I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and, to, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be open to you. What Jesus is doing here is he's contrasting that grumpy neighbor in that parable with our heavenly father. And he's saying, look, uh, with humanity, it's very uncommon that they'll be generous. It's very uncommon that they'll give you what you need. It's very uncommon for a person to just hand out whatever he wants. Humanity's natural, uh, natural inclination is towards selfishness, not toward generosity, but not your heavenly Father. Our heavenly Father's inclination is toward Generosity. What Jesus is telling his disciples is that if there's one thing that you can expect from your Father in heaven, it's generosity. That, that he is a very giving God. He's not like the neighbor. When you show up at his door and you begin to knock and you're like, God, I need this. God, I need your help. God, I, God I, this is something that I need or this is just something that I desire. God, would you please help me? He's not the neighbor in the sense that he's angry when you show up. Oh, he's, he's delighted when you show up. He's happy. Why? Because he's a generous, generous God. And so what does he command his disciples to do? He commands them to ask. He commands them to seek. He commands them to knock. He says, bring all of your requests to me. The big ones, the small ones, 
the ones that everybody cares about, the ones that everybody wants to pray for, and the ones that no one cares about, the ones that you haven't told anybody, and the ones that you've told everybody, every single desire, request, need that you have, bring it to me. Because I want to hear about it. Because I'm a generous God. disciples to pray. God wants to be the first person you, you ask. Which is very different from the way we are. Right? Like if Corey asked me if I could give him 20 bucks, I'm like, well, did you ask everybody else first? Because I don't want to give that to you. If somebody else is willing to give it to him, I don't want to give it to him. But that's not God. When you bring your requests to God, he's not, he doesn't say, well, did you ask everybody else first? He's like, no, I'm glad that you're here because I'm a generous God. I'm a generous father. He's not bothered by your requests. In fact, giving gifts is God's favorite hobby. The Bible says in Micah 7, 18, who is, like, or who is a God like unto thee? that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. Why? Because he delighteth in mercy. He delights in giving us what we don't deserve and not giving us what we do deserve. It's his delight. It's his favorite hobby. How, how many have a hobby? What, what, are, what are some hobbies in this room? Let me, let me, let me hear them. Just shout them out. Let's dialogue for a second. What's some hobbies? Who has a hobby? What did you say? Sleep? Yeah, that's a big one. I like that. That's my favorite hobby. What else? Eating? Okay. Yeah, expected that one. Um, what else? What is, what's a favorite hobby? Anybody, anybody play golf? Anybody, play, anybody hate their lives? You play golf? No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Um, <laughs> some people like golf. Um, anybody play video games? Anybody, anybody play like Call of Duty? Yeah, okay, good, cool. All right, awesome. We have, we have hobbies, right? And, and what happens when we do that hobby? What, what happens is, is it delights us. It makes us happy. We enjoy doing it. That's the reason that we have a hobby, because we enjoy doing it. If anybody has a hobby that they don't enjoy, you should probably see a psychiatrist, because that's the purpose of having a hobby. It's to enjoy it. What's God's favorite hobby? Giving to you. He delights in mercy. He, he delights in giving to us. Which is really interesting considering what He owes us. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Meaning that there's one thing and one thing only that we've earned from our Heavenly Father, and that's His judgment. It's the only thing we've earned from Him. The only thing we've earned is the fact that we have to spend forever separated from Him in hell, experiencing His judgment. That's the only thing we've earned. And yet, He's generous. He gives to us. Not just salvation, but He continues to give. He, he wants us to bring our request to Him because He's a generous Father. And so He commands His disciples to ask Him, which is kind of weird. Right? If this happened in any other relationship, like if your supervisor or your boss came up to you at work tomorrow and he said, hey, I want you to write down on a piece of paper whatever salary you want, whatever benefits you want, anything you want, I'm going to give it to you. All you have to do is write it on a piece of paper and bring it to my office tomorrow. You wouldn't need a command. Right? An invitation would be enough. 
He wouldn't have to come back tomorrow and say, hey, I need that paper. Give me that paper. I need you to give it to me. No, I would be in his office with a six-figure salary written on that paper, all the benefits. I would have given it to him so quickly. I wouldn't need a command. And yet the words that Jesus uses, they're commands. Ask. Seek. Not, it's not an invitation, it's a command. Why? Because He knew we wouldn't do it. That the Creator of the heavens and the earth wants us to bring our request to Him, and we wouldn't do it. He promises to be a generous God if we'll just bring our requests to Him, and we don't bring our requests. I wonder, when's the last time you just poured out your heart to your Father? You just brought every need, every hurt, every request that you have, every desire that you have, you brought it to your Father and just said, God, I give this to you. God, please help me with these. Please help me. Because this was the problem with the group of people that James wrote to. Because in James chapter 4, he says this, You lust and you have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. He's like, look, you're doing all of this stuff to try to live a happy life, to try to get everything you want. You're, you're fighting, you're worrying, you're being hateful toward people. You're, you're working, trying to get all this stuff that you want. And the one thing that you haven't done is ask the person who can give it to you. Why do we do that? So we don't believe he'll be generous. But he promises in this story, or in this, these verses, that he will be generous. Because with this command in, in verse number 9 comes a promise in verse number 10. Look what it says. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto you. He promises. Now I know what happens when I read that verse. Because my mind goes there too. But God didn't give me what I asked for. Right? He, 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 I asked for that thing a while ago. He didn't give it to me. I asked, I, I, I seeked after him, I sook after him, seeked, whatever. Um, I, I knocked, I, I kept persisting in prayer, and he didn't give it to me. And I'm going to talk about that in a second, but can we just stop here and acknowledge the fact that he has given us so much? Like, we look at all the stuff he hasn't given us that we've asked him for, but let's, let's think about the stuff that he has given Last week, Gabby was on a trip home, and I, and I sat down at, at my kitchen table one night, and I was just praying that God would help her bring, bring her back safely, and she's here. I've prayed for productive days, and God's given them to me. The truth is, what He's given us is nothing compared to what He hasn't. He's a generous Father. But let's acknowledge the elephant in the room. What about when he doesn't? What happens when you ask, when you seek, when you knock, and he doesn't give it to you? Does he just cease to be generous? Well, he covers that in the next verse because he's not only generous, he's also good. And look what he says in, in verse number eleven, or verse number ten, or sorry, verse number eleven. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is his father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? 
What he's saying is that God doesn't give bad gifts. He says in the next verse, right after that, if ye then being evil, that, that means humanity as a whole, we're evil, we, we don't have good desires, we're, we're, we're under sin. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? Our Father is not only generous, but He's good. He only gives good gifts. And if anybody knows about bad gifts, it's fathers, right? Because some of you have already gotten gifts where you got in this morning and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, do I burn it? I don't, I don't know what... Because for some reason, I don't know why it is, but Mother's Day is what, like four weeks before Father's Day? And we, we go out, we buy mom flowers and chocolates and gift cards and all this stuff. And then it comes Father's Day. And I don't know what happened, like whether our investments just fell apart or what happened. But now all of a sudden we're poor and we're like, hey, what's like the worst thing I could get dad? Like, like what's the ugliest pair of socks? Like that Bugs Bunny tie, that's what I'm going to get dad for Father's Day. I'm going to like find find something old in my closet that's been eaten apart by malls and I'm going to give it to him. Like, I don't know why that is, but, but we know about bad gifts, right? Our Heavenly Father doesn't give bad gifts. He, he only will give you good gifts. But what constitutes as a good gift? Well, let's look at what he says. If a son shall ask bread of any that is his father, will he give to him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will you give a stone? Or... If she shall ask an egg, will he give him a scorpion? These are kind of weird analogies, but, but in, in the place where they lived, there, it was a very rocky uh, place. And they would have rocks that would be about the size of a loaf of bread. And it would be really easy for a seven-year-old, the same seven-year-old that threw his fishing pole in the water, it'd be really easy for a seven-year-old to see that piece of bread and think, or see that rock and think it's a piece of bread. It'd be really easy for, for a seven-year-old. They had, they had snakes kind of like water moccasins, and, and they would be in the water. It'd be really easy for them to see that snake and think that it's a fish. It'd be really for easy because they had these white desert scorpions, and they would roll up to, to be like eggs. And it'd be easy for a child to walk up and think it's an egg, go to grab it, and get stung. And so what Jesus is saying is that you as a father, if your, if your son sees a piece of bread or sees a rock and says, Oh dad, I, I want to eat that piece of bread or sees a snake and say, Oh, I, I want to eat that fish or sees a scorpion and says, Oh, I want to eat that egg. Dad, can I have it? It's the father's job to come alongside of the child and say, No, that's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. Good fathers do not give harmful gifts to their children. Those of you that are parents, you understand this. Because, because your children are crazy, <laughs> right? Like if you, did, if you did let them do anything they wanted to do, you would have a lot of pennies and light sockets and the dog would be on fire by now. Like you know it's true. We only give good gifts to our children. We don't give things that are going to be harmful to our children. It's out of love for them that we only give good gifts. So in verse number 13, it says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them and ask Him? What He's doing is He's taking the most intimate relationship, the relationship between a father and a son, and He's saying, your heavenly Father loves you so much more. 
He's not going to give you something that is harmful to you. He only gives good gifts. And so I wonder, there's some of us in this room that God might be saying, hey, I get that you want that relationship. But I promise you, it's not what it looks like. Hey, I know you want that job. But I'm telling you, it's not what it looks like. I get that you want that promotion, but, but I promise you I have a better plan. I see the bigger picture. I get th- that you want to move, but, but I have you here for a reason. Just please trust me because I'm not going to give you something that's harmful to you. I see the bigger picture. Anytime your father doesn't give you what you asked for, it's because he sees something that you don't. 1 John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. That when we ask something, look, it has to be according to His will. It has to be according to His plan. Why? Because His plan is what's best. He doesn't hate you. He's looking out for you. James 4.3, it's interesting because it's the same group of people that he said the verse earlier that they're asking, or that they're not even asking God. Then he says that you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss, that you might receive it upon your own lust. God's like, look, I'm not going to just appeal to your selfish desires because that's not what's good for you. When God says no, it's not because he's evil, it's because he's good. He's looking out For you, if God gave us everything we asked for, He would cease to be good. But when God says no to something, just assume that He's not good anymore. That's why people leave the church. That's why people leave the faith. God didn't answer my prayer. And so we say things like, well, if, if there is a God, He doesn't love me. If there is a God, He doesn't care about me. Or we say there is no God or God's dead. Why? Because he didn't answer my prayer the way that I wanted him to. But friends, look. When God says no, we can't just say it's a proof that God doesn't love us. It's actually the opposite. When he says no, it's proof that he does love us. When you say no to your child that he can't run out into the street, because you love him. It's because you don't want anything to harm him. And so what God might be saying to us is, look, I get that you think you're reaching for bread, but that's not a bread. It's going to break your teeth. I get that you think that you're reaching for a fish, but I promise you that's not a fish. It's poisonous. I get that you think that's an egg, but when you reach out for it, it's going to sting you. And I'm protecting you by saying no. God's nose are not a proof of lack of his love, but proof of his love. But I want us to see something here in verse number 14. Verse number 14 says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? What Jesus is doing there when he says that he'll give the Holy Spirit is he's trying to point something out, that God has already given us the greatest gift that we could possibly ask for. That's where we can prove that His generosity exists, that He's a generous God, because He's given us the greatest gift that we could ever ask for. 
that, that His Son, Jesus Christ, came down to this earth, left His throne in glory, and came down to live as a man. He lived a perfect life, the life that me and you should have lived. And He lives this life for 33 years on this earth, separated from His Father, and then He is unjustly killed. He's placed on a cross. He dies an agonizing death. But it wasn't just an agonizing death because it was physical. It was an agonizing death because it was a spiritual death. Because on that cross, he placed every sin that you have done, are doing, and will do. And he placed it on Jesus. And he said, if you trust in Jesus' death, and then three days later, he rose again from the dead. So if you trust in his death and resurrection as payment for your sins, you don't have to pay for your sins by spending forever in hell. You get to go to heaven. But not only that, you get to have a relationship with the Creator or the creator of the heavens and the earth, but not only that, you get the Holy Spirit. We have the, if, if you're in here today and you're a believer, you have the God of the universe living inside of you. And we get, we question His generosity when He doesn't give us a relationship. You see how off balance that is? We question whether God's good when He doesn't give us the job that we, that he, that we want. We question His generosity when, when He doesn't provide the way that we wanted Him to. Friends, He's already given us the greatest gift that we could ever ask for. I'm not minimizing those problems, by the way. I get it. They hurt. They're hurtful. They're not fun to go through. God doesn't minimize them either because he, he lived your hurt. He understands the pain. And also, He's good. And He wants to protect you. I'm not minimizing it, but, but here's what I will say. One day, if you're, if you're a Christian, you're going to go to heaven. And you're going to be with God for all of eternity. And you know what I don't think you're going to be asking? I don't think you're going to be asking God why. Why didn't you give me that career? Why didn't you give me that relationship? You're not going to be asking him why. Do you, do you know why I don't think that? Because this is what the Bible says in Ephesians 2.7, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to us through Jesus Christ. For the ages to come, we're not going to be asking God why, because we're going to be living in light of his generosity. For the ages to come, he's going to be showing us his kindness and his grace through Christ Jesus. We're not going to ask why. After I threw my pole in the water, my dad came over to me, sat down, and he goes, Nick, that was not a shark. <laughs> Figured that out now. He said it was, a, it was a skate. I saw the fin come up, so I just assumed it was a shark. If you don't know what a skate is, it's kind of like a, uh, like a stingray, but less dangerous. I lost my fishing pole because I didn't bring it to my father. What I found out is we would have had a very different fishing day had I just brought my pole to my father. He could have reeled it up. We probably wouldn't have got it in the boat, but we could have at least gotten a picture of it. I would still have my Scooby-Doo fishing pole. My day would have gone very differently had I brought my request, my problem to my father. So when you find yourself in a really difficult 
situation, when you find yourself in a situation of fear, in a situation of need, where you're not strong enough to, to bring it up by yourself, you can't figure it out on your own, don't forget to bring your requests to your generous Father. And if He doesn't answer the way that you want Him to, just look at it as provision and evidence of His love. Because He's looking out for you. Don't get mad at Him. Don't get upset. Because His generosity is proven in the greatest gift that He's ever given us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.